0: Memories Not Forgotten, Secret Family Dinners, and Demon Stories at Night. It's all next on this 30th episode of Resurrection Revealed.
1: Welcome back for another full discussion feedback episode of Resurrection Revealed. Resurrection Reveals a proud member of Noodle Mix Network, and we're sponsored by our affiliate links at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon, so you can do all of your Amazon shopping over there. Thanks again for taking the time out of your day to join us for this fan theory and full discussion episode all about Season 2, Episode 4, Old Scars. And Resurrection Revealed is an unofficial podcast and blog by and for fans of abc tv's resurrection recorded october 21st 2014 i'm at wayne henderson your voice acting podcasting green bay packers fan
0: and i am at troy heinrich glad to be with you this evening as we discuss one of probably the most pivotal episodes so far of the series i thought we had a really great showcasing tonight a lot of great acting Kudos to everybody, writers, producers, directors. I think we are going to be in for a special treat as we will bring you all of the show notes over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash 30. Now, earlier this week, Wayne posed a bunch of questions out there to all of you on our initial reactions episode. That's right. We do a, a quick podcast right after the show airs, and then we have our full fan feedback discussion every Wednesday morning with all of your thoughts and theories And I thought this was really sweet that we had the first introduction of Jacob's anniversary of his death. What say you, Wayne?
1: Yes, and it's especially unusual because not only are we kind of celebrating the, not celebrating the anniversary of his death, but the fact that he's alive again makes it a little more reason to celebrate. It was very touching, very well done, and it kind of gives us a lot of perspective of the whole timeline of what's happening.
0: Did Henry know that that's what today was all about? They seem to have kind of a routine. At first, I was kind of like, he wakes up and he's like, why are you getting out of bed and putting on your perfume and all this other stuff and zips her up? Do you think that he knew in his heart of hearts that today was the day? I did
1: not pick up on that. I just thought that that's kind of their morning routine. But now that you say it, Troy, it does make a little more sense. And it seemed rather melancholy considering the fact that they do have Jacob back again. But then again, that doesn't take away from the terrible loss and all the horrible feelings they've had for 30-something years.
0: Now, I love the fact that Francis Fisher at Comic-Con specifically said that Margaret Langston is the mother-in-law from hell, I believe is what she put on the panel. And here we have a situation where Margaret and Lucille are actually sharing kind of a bonding moment and eventually I would even say team up during the course of this episode. What do you think?
1: Yeah. And it seems to be in one instance that they kind of have a common foe in essence that goes way back. And so that kind of galvanizes them a bit together. And maybe it's just that they've had some more discussions and they're finally realizing, look, I know this is a really weird situation. You know, Margaret's back to life again. Jacob's back to life. Half the town is back to life again. And it kind of changes everybody's dynamic. And they might as well try to get along because there's bigger fish to fry.
0: Those bigger fish, of course, are what is going on in the history of this Langston family. You know, Margaret's like, let's have a family dinner to celebrate or forget or not sure what you want to call it (laughs) on this anniversary of Jacob's death. But the history and the family and the factory and uh, the one thing I really loved is that we did get confirmation finally, if it hasn't been already, I didn't see anything specific, that it was a furniture factory because you had the cool company calendar on the wall as they came down the stairs as they went to go get the chairs.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna agree with that 100%. That's basically the business they were in. And it, it did bring back some memories. It, it seems like when I was a child, and of course that was not in the 30s, it wasn't that long ago, but it seemed like a lot more companies had the company calendars than do now, now that we all have calendars in our phones. But yeah, that, it's gonna be interesting to see how this whole factory thing plays out because it's becoming more and more pivotal each and every week.
0: So let's talk about Barbara and Fred and the family dynamic, because here's some things that I can't quite figure out. She talks about how, man, you remember when Fred used to carry on with that Barbara girl when they were 14 and drinking and things of that nature. So did he have a drinking problem? Did he hit her and that's what caused her to cheat? Or did he develop the drinking problem after she died?
1: I don't know if it's going to be important to the story or if we're ever going to find out. But I got the impression that at at least from the point of view of Margaret and Lucille, that Barbara is the one that caused Fred to go astray and get into drinking and carousing and just kind of started leading him down that path. And I have a feeling there's even more about Barbara, at least from Margaret and Lucille's point of view, that we don't know just yet.
0: And as I think about it from last season, she was talk. Barbara was talking to Maggie and said, you know, there's things about your father you don't know. You know, he wasn't always the greatest man. So that's what leads me to believe that he was a drinker, an alcoholic, if you will, or abuser or something, which is what caused her to go astray. So it almost seems like there's two sides of the story here. And the question is, which is which? Because if you take last week's episode where he was standing there as a young kid looking at her deceased body washed up on the shore with the shoe you know it seemed like he would still love her at that point now granted you could still love her and still beat her we have that situation happen all the time uh, in the media and today's society but I would think that if that's the case and you're trying to play it off the way that the writers and producers have made this show seem that I would almost think Barbara cheated first and it wasn't Fred that beat her and caused her to run away.
1: Yeah, I could see it going that way. And, you know, basically some of the things that Barbara said might just be from her point of view that, you know, it's basically all Fred's fault. And she was the fine, upstanding citizen for the most part. So, like you said, there's two sides of the story. The truth may lie somewhere in the middle. One thing's for sure, their complicated past has made for an even more complicated present, you know, after you die and you come back again.
0: Well, then we have the relationship between her and Maggie, and I thought for some reason that that relationship would have been more strained based on last season, and of course they haven't seen each other since the whole you know, military came to town. I thought they got along pretty well with the, each other sitting at the dinner table. What did you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. It. I don't know if they were both just putting on a brave face for this very awkward family dinner, or if... With the more time that's passing and the fact that the military has come and gone and all the excitement and chaos at the end of last season, things are settling back into a, a basic pattern that maybe they're just getting along and realizing, look, we are family that we've all done bad things. We've all got a lot of troubles and have said things and done things, but they did seem awfully chummy. So I'm wondering if they are just trying to put everything behind them, uh, at least until Lucille says her piece.
0: And it almost seemed like on the porch after the blow up of the family dinner conversation that maybe Maggie might want the two of them to get together, even though it's a creepy 32 year difference.
1: I agree, though. I don't know if they were doing the makeup different this week or just the fact that Fred is it looks like he's stopped with the drinking. We've seen him at least once pouring all the booze down the drain and maybe just getting sober has cleared up his. Complexion and just made him look healthier. He seemed 10, at least 10 years younger this week.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure what that's all about because he also stopped drinking, I thought, once last season as well. So is he going to be able to stay off the sauce going forward now that Barbara seems to at least care about Fred in some way, shape, or form because she does give him a
1: kiss on the cheek? That was a very, very nice scene. The acting... Everybody, great job this week. And I totally bought into that scene and and for a moment forgot their age difference.
0: So let's go ahead and talk about Bellamy and his investigation as we think about who these bones belong to. Now, Bellamy specifically called out that one of the bones was Caucasian and one of the bones was African-American. And because of that, I have to sit there and go, number one, how could you tell? Is that DNA related? Is that how you kind of figure that out? Now, how were they able to run those tests fast enough in order to do that? Because I would assume bones are bones, right?
1: That's what I thought.
0: But then when you look at the photo of the trucking accident, there's two African-Americans in there. And when I was trying to find out, as I looked at the picture, I couldn't zoom in enough clearly to find out if Mr. Thompson, his dad as we think him to be, could have potentially been one of those African-Americans in that skeleton.
1: Yeah, I, I am going to patiently wait till next week's episode, hoping for answers, because I couldn't tell from that. But I do love how they took that photo, the story, the headline and weaved it into this story. So I'm not sure who is who just yet. But oh, poor Arthur.
0: Well, the Caucasian guy was clearly the dude who played Forrest Gump as a young kid, right, with the knee brace. Yeah, I believe so. And then you had Arthur, who was the third person in the photo, not one of the skeletons. So then that leads me to the question around this trucking accident. So two theories to throw out at you. Number one, they all died in a fire or something, and the trucking accident was a cover-up. Or B, the trucking accident actually happened, and everybody that was involved in the trucking accident came back as a demon, quote-unquote, and that's what started the cycle.
1: And that's what I was kind of throwing out there a little bit on the initial reactions episode the other night, that I don't know which came first, but the fact that some talked about dying in a fire and then others this news story about the truck accident. Which I think the truck accident was a frame job, but at the same time, I do think some of the others Came back to life and then died again in the fire, in a fire this time. And so it's hard to tell how many times they returned if it was just that, those two times. Because based on the story we hear later in the episode, it seemed like some were coming back over and over, like everybody's favorite big brother, Mikey.
0: Well, in this case of, uh, we'll call him Kneebrace Man, you know, Kneebrace Man had to have died at least three times once by hanging, once by fire, and then once in this trucking accident because there were three skeletons of the same person.
1: Right. And he had that look of fear on his face, like, how many times do I have to die? Uh, I felt really bad for the guy. I mean, it's no fault of his own as far as we know.
0: And then here's something that will really blow your mind. So if he died once in the trucking accident, once by hanging, and once by fire, fast forward to the end of the episode... When Margaret's talking about, you know, we tried to hang them, we tried to shoot them, we tried to burn them, and nothing made them go away. But then we found out what would make them go away. And so that's why there isn't a fourth skeleton. Because when they finally went away, they disappeared, like Caleb and Arthur.
1: Do you think they disappeared in the same way that Caleb and Arthur did, and to the same place that they disappeared to?
0: Absolutely. That has to be the case. Because if the hanging didn't do it, if the fire didn't do it, if the trucking accident didn't do it, then the only way they can die is to disappear. That is truly the way
1: you banish the demons once and for all. But I didn't see anything in particular happen to Caleb that made that happen to him.
0: Well, and that's the secret, right? That's the, this one girl, now Grandma Langston, we assume, is the only one that knows the secret. So, when she goes in to visit good old Arthur inside the clinic we all said man she had to have done something to him in order to make him disappear whether that was getting closure like we said Caleb and Elaine had their closure and that's why Caleb disappeared or because he starved to death or in the case of the hospital then maybe it was just because he starved to death and he disappeared right in front of Margaret and Margaret didn't do anything but because Margaret said she knows how to make the demons go away and she went in to talk to Arthur Now something tells me that she did something to Arthur. What it is, we have to wait and see.
1: Right. And I've thought that she did something to Arthur all along. I knew that she made him disappear. I just don't know how Caleb disappeared and how that's tied in. But I'm sure that the writers and producers will have an answer for that one because that's a biggie.
0: And maybe it was done, I guess, what you could say, like unknowingly. So whatever Bellamy did was the thing to do. But Bellamy didn't know it at the time.
1: Ah, somehow he accidentally stumbled across uh, Grandma Langston's secret. Right.
0: He got the secret recipe and was able to make the sauce happen. Okay. Now, the one thing we always wanted to point out, too, was, and this is very quick, so you had to be really paying attention to catch it. But why is Margaret so hell-bent on the Langston family name? The Langstons must prevail when she probably wasn't a Langston because she would have married into the Langston name. And when they were in the kitchen, she's making the pork chops. You know, your dad would put away like three of these in one sitting. He turns to his mom and Fred says, you know, you were at the factory, right? When Grandpa Anderson was the foreman. And so we clearly now know what her maiden name was, that she was an Anderson previously, which I assume was the man standing next to her when they torched Mr. Knee Brace guy.
1: Oh, I didn't put those two together and catch the name. I was uh, mostly focusing on the fact that uh, based on the pork chops that that's supposedly what gave uh, Fred and Henry's dad a heart attack. Oh, that. That probably did, too. <laughs> but that, so I that made me totally gloss over the fact about the Andersons. Interesting.
0: And then everybody was like, oh, because he died of a heart attack, you know, he can't come back. And Well, no, Caleb died of a heart attack. So is it possible that maybe season three we see Mr. Langston show back up?
1: I would not be surprised at all if we see him even just a little bit later this season.
0: So overall, where do you think the show's going now that we have a lot of this religious undertone in the first couple episodes, and now we talk about these demons and how we view people and how we, you know, respond to the unknown? Is there some greater thing that the showrunners and writers are trying to get across in their imagery of resurrection?
1: Man, I tell you what, Troy, trying to have me guess where the writers might be taking this show as we go on up front, I'm going to say I have absolutely no idea, but it is interesting that they talked about these demons as they called them back in the 30s, which I mean, how different is that from the return? These people just keep coming back to life, but they even tried burning them. It kind of brings back memories of the old witch trials. Yeah, are is this story going to go way back to then and that maybe some of these witches could have been the returned? But then again, that story doesn't talk about coming back to life over and over. As far as where it's going to go next, I'm not sure. But either the Anderson side of the family or the Langston side or both has something to do with it. And it, I think they've haven't they hinted before that it might go back to the Civil War, but that might be the starting point.
0: Well, that or when the dam broke and the two rivers combined and washed everything out and there could have been an entire town that was relocated literally physically by getting washed, washed away. And now those people might be the demons that are coming back. Because the other thing that I keep struggling with, as I've been watching the last couple of weeks, is Rachel was having a dream about being in a fire. So is there a shared collective thought? Hmm. Are these previous live people coming back in these other bodies kind of like, if you will, the man in black in Lost, right, where he could manifest himself as a human if there was a dead body to manifest into or take the shape of. So when you think about it from that perspective, is there more even playing field? I'm Margaret, but I'm also everybody. I'm Jacob, but I'm also everybody. You think that's possible?
1: I do think that's possible. I'm not sure how they would tie it into the show, but the fact that certain ones like Jacob, they're able to sense some of the other returned. And so there is something special going there. And for all intents and purposes, these returned are the same people. I mean, nobody's acting really different than their original self other than the sleep and appetite. Aspects that are coming into it. For the rest of it, they're pretty much acting spot on.
0: And then let's talk about the dinner sequence.
1: Oh, man. Yes. Let's.
0: Now, Margaret is leading this conversation. She gives her little toast, stands up, and as she's going around, did you get the sense that she was egging Lucille on? Or do you think that Lucille operated of her own accord?
1: I don't know if she was egging her on. I think it goes back to their conversation in the kitchen, which kind of helped just kind of stir the pot. And even without grandma's intervention, it's quite possible that Lucille would have gone off in this scene, even if she wasn't back to life and in the family again, Lucille has had these deep feelings about Barbara and her involvement in the family for a long, long time. So The fact that ever since that death and blaming it kind of on Barbara and her having an affair and all of that, I think it would have gone this pretty much the same way either way. But you got an impression there was some egging going on?
0: Well, that scene in the kitchen, it's like she was saying that girl, she's the one, you know, of of all days on this anniversary of Jacob's death, of all days reminding you, digging it a little deeper Putting that knife in your back, if you will, this girl, she's the one that's responsible for his death. You know, and yeah. it literally puts her on the, hmm, yeah, you know what? You're right, and I've been drinking, so I'm just gonna <laughs> say it like it is.
1: And I don't think having a little bit of wine is what might have set her off, but at the same time, it is also the anniversary of her death.
0: That's true, because they technically would have died on the same day.
1: Yeah. But they're mostly celebrating young Jacob. And he innocently just wanted to see Aunt Barbara and you know say that he was sorry because he, he that poor kid, he still feels responsible. But uh wow, when Lucille, the way she, you know, Frances Fisher, great actress, just the whole scene seems so real, even though they're talking about something that's so out there. But basically saying, you know, Jacob should be at this table as an adult, with a wife, maybe even his own kids, and basically Barbara's fault for messing it all up.
0: More importantly, it almost seemed like she was pulling from somewhere, something, whether it was in her own you know, personal relationship preference or somebody she knew, it seemed like she was digging deep to get to this grief state that she was at. Yeah, and just the, you know, sitting there, like you're sitting there drinking your wine and talking about the good times. And here I sit here all day reliving this moment constantly and reliving the moment as she's sitting at the table, even like these two people shouldn't be here and mourning, not necessarily the death of her son, but mourning the life he could have had if he were to still be alive.
1: Yes. And who knows, perhaps. Jacob will never disappear, and he will get to grow old, but not with the planned uh, set of circumstances and friends and family. You know, Pastor Tom's an adult, his old buddy from a kid, his other friend from childhood's the principal of the school. So things are definitely different for Jacob, whether or not he tries to lead a fairly normal life, but uh, that's way down the road on resurrection.
0: So overall, this episode, Mr. Henderson where do you slot this ratings wise amongst all the episodes of season two so far?
1: Uh, Just another great, brilliant, excellent acted episode. I still like last week's a little bit better, but this week still had so much good stuff. Maybe the second best episode of the season. I'm going to give this one nine and a half out of 10 grandmother bedtime stories that are guaranteed to creep you out.
0: Well, I Can't give it quite the high praise I gave last week. I thought last week touched something that whether you were dealing with a grief or a loss or, you know, whatever you were kind of trying to reboot or think about how to do something differently last week, I think just struck a chord this week, I think was great overall in the story and execution. Um, So I have to give it a nine, nine out of 10 apologies, not accepted.
1: (laughs) yeah the apology was not accepted nine you know still that's fantastic there's shows that sometimes don't even get anywhere near a nine so i i still say that equals this being a great episode and you pair it together it's hard to believe we've only seen four episodes this season we, we've seen like eight episodes worth of great stuff already
0: i know and the one big thing that i kind of left out in the discussion before our ratings th- when uh this really was brought up at the beginning when Henry says, my I wish you wouldn't drive. Oh, heck, I've been driving since I'm 11. No big deal. The first thing that ran through my mind when I heard that was, yeah, really, dude, you shouldn't drive because if you just vaporize like Caleb or Arthur, you know, you could really hurt somebody. That car just goes out of control. And then you have at the end of the episode, you know, Barbara runs out. She's all upset. And did she get the resolution she needed between you know, Fred returning the shoe and Jacob saying she's sorry. So if resolution is what makes them disappear, the first thing I thought of was, oh, crap, Barbara's going to get behind the wheel and she's going to disappear and crash a car. And then mm. literally five seconds later, car crash outside of the factory. And the first thing I thought was, yep, there's Barbara. And oh, nope, it's Mikey.
1: <laughs> oh, and poor Mikey hasn't disappeared yet. That that guy, man. Wow. We, he was... You know, for such a serious storyline and so many of the stories are so deep, powerful and serious. Last week's episode, the whole thing between Carl and Mikey did have a sick, twisted amount of uh, humor to it.
0: And there were a lot of people that were talking after last week's episode that maybe Mikey's not the only one. Maybe Carl himself is returned also.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen any clues, but I would not be surprised This could be one big vicious cycle with everybody, but I'm anxious to see next week's episode because this hour, which is really just 42 minutes plus commercials. It went by so fast yet again this week.
0: Right. It's going to be epic when you finally get the confrontation between Bellamy and Maggie, and hopefully we'll see that uh, on next week's episode because that I think will be some interesting acting, especially when there was that little quip. I don't know if you caught it. But uh, she was uh, checking her cell phone and her dad was like, hey, are you on call? And she's like, no, I was just seeing if Bellamy had, you know, checked in and Fred looks at her and she immediately immediately turns to it's just work related. You know, we're not in a relationship, dad. Leave it alone.
1: Oh, <laughs> like, I definitely. Why did,
0: why did she retort that way?
1: You know, I definitely caught that and picked up on it. But I figured in the grand scheme of things, that's not as uh, pivotal as everything else. But, yeah, that definitely was something put out there for us to. Catch that uh, she's feeling a little bit of a guilt thing.
0: Right. Which means she's feeling something. Exactly. Yeah, I don't even think Fred questioned her on it to be. She was quick on the draw before Fred could even have a, you know, a moment to comment or quit back.
1: Oh, for sure. And, you know, Fred, that's probably the furthest thing from his mind. I mean, half of his family that died is back to life. So he's got other things to focus on other than a relationship growing in the family.
0: Not to mention that uh, Lucille's offering him another glass of wine.
1: (laughs) Oh, Lucille. How rude was that? Were, Were you blown away? Because this wouldn't have been near as powerful if it was in the first few episodes of last season, because we didn't get such a feel for the Lucille character. But after seeing sweet, loving Lucille heartbroken and yet happy again through all of season one and the first few episodes of season two. And then to have her be the one that really launched into Barbara just made it that much stronger of a scene.
0: Absolutely. I think they played it out well, the it of this season to have those conversations, let so you have people truly invested in the characters so that you can go that deep and have that kind of hurt with them. And also the anger from the other side, right? Lucille, how could you say those things? Yeah, I love it when she's like, uh, Maggie, you know, grownups are talking now. It's like, wait, <laughs> we, we get it, you know, that, they, that they're kids from 32 years ago, but Maggie's 32 herself.
1: <laughs> really? Yeah. Jacob's basically the only kid that we've seen in a while.
0: Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's get into the better part of the podcast with our Resurrection Revealed listener community. They have the best questions and theories, and we got that coming up next. Again, you can get in your theories and be part of the Resurrection Revealed podcast by giving us a call. You can do that at plus one, or just head on over to resurrectionrevealed.com slash feedback, and you can submit your feedback in writing. You can go ahead and record your voice right there on the webpage or on your smartphone. And we'll kick it off this week with our good friend, Mr. Jeff Gentry.
2: Okay, guys, this is uh, Jeff Gentry, X-Force 11. I'm thinking there's some type of curse going on. It's going in cycles. Um, we had it in the 30s and then it was stopped by Grandma Langston and her family. But then it started up again and she and her family are the ones being resurrected. Uh, this is weird. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Now, you know, what's her her purpose? She knows how to stop people from coming back, but she's one of the ones who's come back. So it's interesting. I don't know if the curse got transferred to their family because they were in charge. Um, I, I, you know, it's interesting. Maybe people who died wrongly or prematurely are brought back. Um, because of the land they're living on, I don't know it's it's weird. it has some ties with uh, uh, uh with Haven in uh, on the you know the the TV show there where there's cycles and and those things run along family lines so uh, this this episode has me asking a lot of questions which which is good, but the acting was on point tonight. I mean, I tell you the actors were blowing it out of the water. Look forward to hearing you all series. Talk to you later.
1: Bye. Jeff, thank you so much yet again for giving us a call at plus 1-904-469-7469. And I love how you brought up the cycles. There's definitely cycles going on here, Troy. But I'm wondering if it did stop back in the 30s, what is it that caused return to start coming back in 2013 or whatever year it set in?
0: Yeah, I don't know why they would come back now, but I really like the cycle idea. More importantly, if you think about it from that perspective, if the Langstons were there to get rid of the demons the first time, the elegant woman and her team, what if they're descendants of the people they killed originally, and now they're coming back for payback?
1: Oh, my. Well, that that lady, she's got a... She's got a mystery about her, an elegance about her, you might even say. I could see them tying her into this story. But uh, in what fashion do you think Jeff might be onto something here with there being a quote unquote curse?
0: I don't know if it's a curse per se. Would it be? I guess it depends on where you stand theologically, biblically, in your Christianity, in your faith, whatever you want to call it. It depends on if you feel being here on Earth is a curse versus, say, in the afterlife or eternity or harmonious convergence, whatever you want to call it. You know, it depends on how you feel about that. You know, would some people say, you know, I'm ready to die right now. Like if death came today. Great. No big deal. And then if I came back, would you be angry? Like, why am I back here? Dang it. Come on. (laughs) So it depends on how you view it as a curse.
1: True, because the the term curse could be being used as loosely as the term demon was used in this episode. So I, I think Jeff, he has a lot of questions he admitted, but I think he also brought some great information to the table. And we need to keep an eye on these cycles to see where they go from here, future, past, or leading into the path of the elegant woman, which one of these days we're bound to find out her real name.
0: Now, Julie Michelle White over on Facebook, she actually said, I think I figured it all out. Only a returned can kill, quote unquote, kill another returned. Regular people can't kill them. So in the case of, you know, in the past, they had the Langstons and the Andersons or whoever trying to kill these demons. Maybe they figured out that they had to get somebody on their side. So what if there was, we'll call it a ghost walker all these years, right? Living among them. And because Mm. of that, that's how they were able to keep them away. So then I was like, okay, well, this is a cool theory. I like it because obviously Margaret's returned and we think she made Arthur disappear. But then I go back to Caleb, which means the only person that was there was Bellamy. Right. Which then makes you go, has Bellamy died before and come back? And that's why he was able to do it a second time in the start of the season.
1: And that's my vote. Of course, I don't know if Bellamy did anything in particular to get rid of Caleb. It seemed like he was as shocked as everybody. But who knows if we, like they did on Lost, we may see that scene again from a different angle. And perhaps there was something going on that was blocked by the water cooler. Who knows? Because when they watched that scene back on the surveillance cameras i believe they saw static for a second
0: right that could have been interference or aliens spaceships whatever you want to call it yeah i don't know was it just that there was a momentary glitch because when we looked at it through the water bottle looked like he just disappeared and nothing really happened right lights didn't
1: flicker or anything or interesting we'll find out later
3: hi this is justina calling in for resurrection revealed This week's episode had a strong imagery of fire. So I think that fire has something to do with getting rid of the returned. Because other methods don't seem to be as effective. If you think about it, Rachel was stabbed last season and she came right back. Bellamy was shot and he came back right away. And the deputy's brother, Mikey was shot and he also came back right away also fire seems to give that power of disappearance because caleb was cremated and he was the first return to come back and then just randomly disappear arthur died in a fire and he was able to disappear and I'm wondering if that means Grandma will be next to disappear after her uh, mission is done. I believe that her mission could be to get rid of the returned, and she may somehow be behind the sickness. But I did notice that as all the returned were f- flooding into the clinic, that her and Jacob seemed to be fine. So I do wonder if she's behind it and is somehow protecting herself and Jacob from whatever that it is. I feel like she is somehow more powerful than another returned. And also my theory on Rachel's baby and how it's getting bigger faster than a regular baby, I was wondering if it had to do with the fact that she is a return, therefore her baby is a return too. And each time she is on the earth for X amount of days on the pregnancy and then dies and then comes back, are each of the weeks of pregnancy added together, which makes the baby's growth seem to be going faster than a normal baby. Thank you very much for the podcast.
0: Thanks so much. 904-469-7469. Great stuff there. And Justina actually brought up a really good point around the baby. Now, I had a different slant on it. I like her idea that even though Rachel comes back exactly the same, maybe the baby comes back right where it left off from growing. But my original thought on why the baby's growth is accelerating is because of the higher metabolism of the returned. So if the baby is a returned, it's higher metabolism is what's causing it to grow at an exponential rate.
1: Hmm. And if the baby is considered a returned, even though it's not born yet, if it has a higher appetite than the other baby, you know, a regular baby, would it be basically taking a little too much energy from his mom?
0: That could be too. And that might be why she's so fatigued all the time.
1: Yeah, I have a feeling once this baby's born that it's going to pretty much be a basic normal baby. And based on what Justina said, you know, since it's no longer inside of its mom, I think it's going to have a normal life once it gets born. I could be wrong and they this could be some sort of very special baby. But I think for now, with it being trapped inside her as a fetus, uh, with her dying twice so far, I think that's the whole reason why it's growing so fast.
0: Well, and then I took another thing from her call where she was talking about like the cremation and the people getting sick and things of that nature. And I would really like to take a look at the getting sick part because I think that we might be looking more into it than it really is. Now, the question becomes, Mikey, Mikey is the only one that I can't really place in my theory But most of the people that were getting sick, I thought, were from the earlier crop, like the 30s. And the people that came back, like Barbara and Jacob and Margaret, who died in the 80s, are fine. And that's just because healthcare was better in the 80s than in the 30s.
1: Hmm. I like your spin on that, Troy. I was thinking kind of the opposite in a way that I think the ones that are sick. And again, like you, I need to look at it even closer to try to flesh out the theory. But I think the return that are sick are mostly the ones that have just returned like within the past few days or past week. Whereas the ones that came back, however many days it's been since Jacob came back and Barbara and some of the others, they're healthy because they came back first. But the more I think about it, I like your story better.
0: (laughs) Well, here's something I just thought about, too. What happened to the guy that Caleb killed? His uh, bank robbery partner, dude. That he smashed with a hammer.
1: Oh yeah, that poor guy had not unfortunate. Yeah, why
0: is not he come back?
1: Well, if it goes back to uh, what Julie said, with if a returned kills a returned, maybe they can no longer come back. That could be. But uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't want to be killed off with a hammer to the head.
0: No, no, not at all. Now uh, Claire on Facebook questioned the tree symbolism that's been going on, especially as we saw the tree twice uh, this week. Maybe the tree actually relates somehow to the death-rebirth cycle that is the continual thread through the show. Even when it's autumn, the leaves die off of the tree, but the tree itself, even though it looks dead throughout the winter, really isn't dead on the inside, and it comes back to life in the spring. It kind of mirrors the same theme of the return dying and coming back more than once, like constant rebirth cycles based on you know the seasons. More importantly, if you look at Lucille, she was quite harsh with Barbara, but seeing how losing her son has scarred her so deeply, I can see how that much bitterness has been bottled up inside of her. If she hadn't had so much wine, she would have repressed those feelings like she usually did. There's more to the accident than what has been revealed. Everyone knows something a little different, and they all let a detail here and there slip out. You see a glimpse of Lucille's profound grief because it never went away. No matter how much joy you may experience, it doesn't actually ease the pain. The writers of this show have a good sense of capturing this exact grief in Lucille. And I want to comment on her pointing out that the accident hasn't been completely revealed yet. Now, Lucille said, you know, if you hadn't been down at the water getting on with Sam Catlin in the first place, then Jacob never would have came down there to save your life. Right. Right. She turned, she turned to Fred and literally was like, don't think for a second. I haven't forgotten about what you did. Like, boom, snap, put him in his place. But the question is, what did Fred do? Did Fred push Barbara in because Fred was pissed off at her because of the Sam
1: Catlin relationship? I kind of doubt that it's going to go quite that far. But I had totally glossed over that particular statement because I was so focused on the rest of that scene. It does make me wonder. There are so many more parts to that accident that we don't know, as well as the whole quote unquote accident with the truck back in the 30s. But as far as the drownings, I'm not sure what it is Fred did, but I don't know if it's going to go as far as Fred pushing Barbara in.
0: Do you think that she's just calling him out because maybe he was a beater before and causing her to go away to Sam, which caused her to have a tryst down at the river, which caused Jacob to fall in? And that's why she's blaming Fred, because it was Fred's, you know, actions that drove Barbara away in the first place.
1: It might be something more like that. I, I of course, admit I'm very well could be 100 percent wrong, but I, I think it's more that direction.
0: All right. Well, Lucifer wrote in and said the dinner scene is just beyond perfection. The lines, the discussions, grandma's privilege speech, the bromance, the mother-daughter bonding, the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law bonding, (laughs) the grandma-grandson, granddaughter bonding, the estranged wife and husband dialogue. And, of course, the highlight of the show, the confrontation in which Francis Fisher didn't just deliver the best lines, but also showed the best emotions. And yeah, who wouldn't cry at the end of that scene? For sure. Now they're bringing for sure. Now they're bringing the dark side of the story, referring to these returnees as demons and that the Langstons are the ones that protected the villains. Does that mean that at some point Margaret is going to banish herself and Jacob? I hope not. At least not yet. Also, it's hard to not talk about Janine. I mean, who could manage that? She's so classy and perfect and kind of sweet and she's hurting on the inside, but she handled that. And that's the the point, you know, she kind of took it with care and poor Rachel, even though, The baby is uh, growing up to growing up really fast. You know, how does she deal with that and not knowing what's going on inside of her? Literally, you know, you're dealing with the, you know, the pregnancy as it is, but then have it be twice as fast and be a return. That's a lot to deal with.
1: That could cause a lot more stress in your life than a regular pregnancy. I totally agree. And the fact that just to interrupt his email just for a minute, talking about Janine Some great scenes we didn't even mention because there was so much else going on. But the fact that Janine basically says, no, you don't have to move out, at least not yet. Go ahead and stay. And it's very loving and giving. And at the same time, you know, it's she's still torn up inside.
0: Then we have the fact that grandma wants to wake up the dark side of Jacob. It's almost like Star Wars all of a sudden. Uh, is it because he will use Jacob to banish the so-called demon she's referring to? Back then, it was only her that, you know, her, uh, Margaret, that was able to do it, at least according to the story, because of her innocence at that time. Would that be the same case for Jacob? Uh, he references Psalm 106, verse 38 from the Bible, uh, and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan and the land was polluted with the blood. It's kind of crazy. I hope they're going to stop the killing thing because it's becoming more like the walking dead and shouldn't be. It should be more like brothers and sisters and all about the family.
1: That's one analogy. Another one would be, it's becoming too much like uh, the Rennies on under the dome, but as far as the, the killings now, Lucifer Jr. brought up a great point there about grandma's, creepy story to jacob i was so stunned by the story and what we saw and learned from the story that i didn't consider why on earth is is she even telling this story do you think that lucifer jr is onto something there that maybe she thinks jacob can help or she can pass on this power to him
0: maybe i mean i go back to the why is it such a bad thing in the first place that they're back Why repeat the cycle? Why be afraid of the returned unless there's something we don't know about them yet and something they did find out back in the thirties, which is why they had to banish them in the first place. I also don't know if she necessarily figured out how to make them disappear or if she was told how to make them disappear Mm -hmm. and it became a Anderson Langston family secret.
1: Ah, I did not think about that side of it, but you brought up a great point about, Why is it so bad they're back? And I agree there's really, other than Caleb, who was still doing some bad things and killed some more people, and of course, big brother Mikey, he's the type that we don't need returning. But the rest of them, for the most part, I think uh, I'm along the lines of not such a bad thing, you know, kind of is a population explosion in town, but let them hang out. Uh, We also got this uh, message from Neil and Bowie, who said, Not much to add for this episode. It was pretty straightforward. Arthur Holmes died at least twice, once in the accident, once in the fire. The multiple deaths were because they thought the returned were demons. No matter how she thinks she can stop the return from coming back, but she thinks it is her purpose to send them back this time around. Fred now knows she lied to him about knowing Holmes. What is he going to do about it? And that's another thing. There was so much in this episode. I've heard people say "Resurrection's a slow-moving show. I'm thinking there's so much to talk about that we keep forgetting important stuff like what uh, Neil reminded us of with the whole the fact that uh, Grandma's lying basically right to his face twice.:
0: Yeah, and if you're the sheriff, how do you deal with that? Do you immediately arrest her for uh, you know, obstruction, you know, uh, tampering with police investigation? How do you call that when it's your mom and it's also your dead mom now back alive?
1: (laughs) That does make it a rather complicated. As far as what Neil said, what is he going to end up doing about it? I think he's going to still try to play it like he's not all that suspicious so that he can either follow her or just try to pick up more clues from listening to her because she is a wealth of knowledge, even though she's lying to his face.
0: Yeah, I would keep it on the DL, just like he's keeping his little tiny bone on the DL as well.
1: Exactly. Is it for future DNA evidence, like I talked about on the initial reactions episode? Or is it just proof now that all the other bones are gone, that's the only one left?
0: Well, Ray roped in and said he gives old scars a nine and a half. A little bit of wine brought out the family's true feelings. Despite all of Margaret's efforts and Henry's surprise guest, old and true feelings surfaced. As most time theories state, the past cannot be changed. As I stated last week, I believe we are seeing Jacob's past and nothing has changed in the way the Langstons act towards one another. Grandma's bedtime story for Jacob told us a lot, but it doesn't reveal what caused the so-called demons to show up. She says the young girl in the story knew how to get rid of the demons. We know that Margaret is the young girl as she sees the girl's image in place of her own reflection in the bedroom window. Maybe that tells us what happened to Arthur. But Margaret surely wouldn't harm Jacob. Lucille did just about what I expected her to do. Great acting on the part of Francis. Best of the week. The illness hitting the returned is an interesting twist in the plot. So far, Margaret and Jacob seem to be fine. Will the illness affect Rachel's pregnancy? Next episode should be awesome. Ray.
1: Ray, always with some more great theories. And everybody has brought up the wine, so maybe I should have watched that side of it more. I didn't think they had enough that would make them have loose lips. I I think they would have gone that route either way. But yeah, and props to the casting department for finding the young girl in the 30s that was the young Margaret. I mean, she looked exactly like her.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, when they kept going back and forth between the two of them, I was like, wow, that is like either her granddaughter or they found a way to go time traveling themselves to go get her from the past.
1: Exactly.
0: Well, that'll do it for this week. Uh, We want to thank you so much for tuning in to resurrection revealed again, resurrection revealed is not affiliated with ABC television or plan B. And it's an unofficial podcast. We do have some periodic costs for the website, MP3 hosting. So if you would consider supporting the podcast, you can do that in a few ways. You can do your Amazon shopping, of course, through our affiliate link over at resurrectionrevealed.com slash Amazon, or you can even donate to the show right in the right-hand sidebar of the web page, and that'll, of course, help us make Resurrection Revealed even better for all of you. You can donate one time or give an ongoing monthly donation if you really want to support the podcast. We would greatly appreciate it.
1: Either way, definitely keep connected with us. We'll let Larry King tell you where you can find us on Twitter. At resurrection pod. I just think it's so funny that we have Larry King saying our Twitter handle. At Resurrection Pod. You can also follow myself on our personal account. I'm at Wayne Henderson and you are at Troy Heinrichs. Facebook is pretty cool too. We've got well over eleven hundred people that follow the Facebook page. Just go to ResurrectionRevealed.com slash Facebook to like the page and keep up to date with every bit of information that we come across regarding resurrection.
0: But most importantly, subscribe to the feed. You can do that in a few ways from ResurrectionRevealed.com. We have nice short links for you right there at the top to iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, whatever way you like to listen to your podcast. We have ways for you to get it. So make sure you subscribe so you get all of the latest and greatest as we have information for you, especially as the season progresses toward its end in 13 total episodes. So we're about a quarter of the way through we got lots more to come, so don't worry. We will return later on next week. From all of us here at Noodle Mix Network, I am Troy Heinrichs.
1: And I'm Wayne Henderson. Until that cycle of returning comes around again, we'll see you next time on Resurrection Revealed.
0: Resurrection Revealed is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Get more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Especially the Once podcast. If you're already watching Resurrection, you should be watching Once Upon a Time right before it at 8 Eastern and Pacific, 7 Central. And then listen to Once, the unofficial podcast and blog and forum with theories and talk about ABC's Once Upon a Time. All this and a bunch more of great content is waiting for you all over at noodle.mx.